Hey, welcome to the uh, mid to late February, or I guess late February version of the Nebraska Co-Employment Podcast. And this episode, I'm going to talk about, we got two segments today. We got Truth Hurts, which is about the confrontation between Elizabeth Warren and uh, Mike Bloomberg at the um, at the Nevada presidential debate over the use of... Uh, non-disclosure agreements to cover up sexual harassment cases and gender discrimination claims by Mike Bloomberg. And then I transfer to a uh, more chill topic, so to speak, um, marijuana and workers' compensation, which I'd seen some posts about and did a little research on. It's always a hot topic, and let's just be honest, the Lot, lots of people talk like would like to talk about marijuana, you know. So I did a kind of a short, kind of a short skit on those as well. Kind of a difference in tone between the two, between the uh, two sections as well. Um, I'm pretty fired up during the Truth Hurt segment. Um, not gonna lie, I listened to it. Sounds like I was almost trying out for Chapo Trap House. Except for I wasn't swearing, so, so I mean that's uh that's that, and then the workers' chronicization episode uh skit, or not skit, but the uh, segment, a little bit more chill. Maybe that has something to do with uh, the fact I cut the uh, the employment law portion of the depos- of the um, pot on a Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, and didn't really. Get a chance to sleep, great sleep on Friday. Pretty stressful week. Um, so, still a little fired up about things. So, but after that, I ended up uh, working out Saturday afternoon. Watched the Nevada caucus returns come in. Pretty chill. Slept in on uh, my guy one, Bernie. Slept in a little bit today. Got another workout in, and I uh, cut the um, cut the segment on on medical marijuana just a couple minutes ago. So, yeah, so that kind of accounts for the difference in the in the tones between the two segments. The other thing too is I was going to use some music to you know as, I guess this is my eleventh episode. I was going to use some music. Uh, I was going to use the intro to Truth Hurts, the Lizzo song where the where she does a little piano thing. Da, 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 da. I'm not very musical. Then I was going to use uh, some Dr. Dre instrumental stuff. And then I realized that uh, I didn't want to get busted for a copyright violation. One thing that you'll uh, find if you're a small content creator, whether a blogger or a podcaster probably, is that you'll use something and then like a year later some copyright patent troll outfit will send you a nasty gram saying well you use this without our permission and you owe us this money and and it's pretty annoying i've had to deal with it on the blog so i'm not really want i don't really want to mess with it on the podcast uh so that's that so anyway uh i like the episode duh and i think they're both the both segments are are pretty good and uh Hopefully you learn something from them and uh, come back and listen. So...
talk to you, everybody, in the middle of March. So I inhabit a world of uh, HR and management defense Twitter. I mean, it's really more the online world. I mean, it's really more of a LinkedIn world, but there's certainly a presence on the uh, on Twitter for these people. And one of the things that, if you're on there long enough, that you notice about HR, management, defense, Twitter, is when there's like a national political event, like a big, like the State of the Union speech or a convention, there's always something, you know, always, they're always looking for, oh, they're talking about HR issues. Oh, they're talking about HR issues. It always seems like, you know, during the State of the Union, Trump will throw in a line or two about Ivanka's paid leave plan, the one she's drafting with Marco Rubio, a real bird brain scheme where, you know, people can borrow against their Social Security for paid leave. And, you know, so whenever that gets mentioned, all these HR and management types are like, oh, wow, they're talking about HR issues. And, oh, yeah, yay. So, but anyway, Wednesday night, uh, HR issues were uh, front and center on the national political stage. And um, from uh, Twitter, you could tell that these people weren't too happy about it. Of course, I'm talking about the uh, Democratic presidential debate uh, on Wednesday on CNN and specifically talking about Liz or Lizzo Warren, uh, if you will, absolutely going beast mode. I mean, to use Jim Rome ter- terminology, she protocoled Mike Bloomberg over his use of non-disclosure agreements to settle sexual harassment and gender discrimination claims. And she also you know, really went after Bloomberg for his comments about women and in general, I think, you know, he called one of his employees a horse-faced lesbian, uh, had told one woman to get an abortion. I mean, just an absolute pig. I mean, worse, as bad, if not worse, than Donald Trump, in my opinion. But, um, so anyway. So, and, and Warren just goes off on him about this. And, you know, he basically tells, you know, offers, sees, sees if uh, Bloomberg would release people from those non-disclosure agreements. And boy, boy, was management HR Twitter not happy about that. Oh, man. I mean, they were just, they were triggered to use some conservative terminology, but they really didn't like it. So so what's their problem? Why, why are they, why are they filling big gulp cups full of, full of tears? Well, what's a non-disclosure agreement? Um, a non-disclosure agreement is simply an agreement not to talk about a topic, confidentiality agreement. In employment law, non-disclosure is typically a provision of a severance agreement. And oftentimes that's how employment disputes are, are settled is through a, a severance agreement. Either it's a case that's in litigation and there's a release or there's a case that hasn't been filed yet. But the facts indicate that there's some problem, that there's obviously some could be some legal issues. So there's a there's a severance agreement. And so why do people sign these severance agreements that include non-disclosure agreements? Well, I mean, people need, you know, health insurance, they need money. Sometimes the agreements will have provisions about references, they need to find other jobs. 
So there's a lot of incentive to, 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 to sign these. And the way that, you know, sometimes management portrays these agreements is these are agreements between, you know, two, two, part, two equal parties, and these are freely negotiated contracts, and a deal's a deal. It, well, here, here's here here's what I think. I mean, I I've I've had some Me Too cases involving some local versions, some local Bloomberg's uh, here. Um, you know, mini mini mics, uh, if you will. And I can tell you that these contracts, severance agreements, in cases like this, are anything but relationships between equal, because you know the parties in the case are you know management is defending, you know, basically a, a C-suite scumbag, somebody with a lot of power, a lot of money. And on the other side, uh, you've got somebody who a lot of times is an administrative staff or, 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 or some much less power, a lot less money. And, you know, so it's not a relationship between equals. I mean, and I'm telling you, this is somebody who has negotiated these agreements has negotiated these agreements before. So, and really the only leverage that the person, the employee has in a case like this, you know, in workplace harassment or gender discrimination is they, they've got to, they've got to, they have the threat of a meritorious, of, of a meritorious lawsuit. But, you know, as you know, from following some of my, just maybe from your general experience or from you know, following this podcast and some of my writings, I mean, the law in the United States is it's employment at will. So in a close case, employment at will means that there's not going to be legal liability on the employer. And sexual harassment laws are set up to favor employers. And they give them all sorts of outs and all sorts of defenses. So they're relatively weak laws. But, you know, in the cases of egregious harassment, you know, the employee can can have some legal leverage over somebody who is you know much more wealthier and, and and powerful. So so there's always that. But again, part of what the management defense bar does is you know they they argue you know they use you know legal machinations to get people out, get these get these guys out of get these guys out of trouble. Uh, it's like you know, they can argue, look, you know they were bad people, but they didn't break the law, so our company doesn't owe this person any money. That's part of what the, these folks do. The other thing that a lot of the HR people do and uh, management defense people do, they don't talk about it as much, uh, internal investigations. And I can tell you, when you've got somebody with a harassment case or a Me Too type case against an executive, those people bring that up, you know, usually within the company because they have to oftentimes or they're required to. Uh, and... Let me tell you, those people who, who who bring those complaints forward, they dig dirt on them. You know, they find, they they go through, they do their due diligence. You know, these people in HR and the management side, they do their due diligence on people who make accusations. They go after these people. And, um, and sometimes they do find some dirt on them. But, you know, that doesn't excuse the conduct of, of, the, of the executive, the, the Bloomberg type. But it certainly, you know, intimidates per somebody who's bringing forward a charge, you know, and, and forces them oftentimes into an agreement. So that's what the HR people do and the legal defense people do. They do these things. They, 
you know, defend their clients in the legal system. And they also dig dirt up on people. And to her credit, and again, she's not my first choice. My first choice is Bernie. But to the credit of my second choice in the, in the Democratic presidential race, Elizabeth Warren, uh, she did a great job of exposing what human resources and the Employment Defense Bar does to employees. And those people didn't like it one bit. And you can see it from the way that they're melting down on Twitter and on social media because they were exposed and they don't like it. They like to come across like they're benevolent, like they're Toby Flanderson. We're here to, we're here to, you know, make sure workplaces are okay. But that's, that's, that's kind of bogus. You know, they're one of their essential job functions is to clean up the messes from scumbag executives. That's, that's part of what their job duties are. And that's why they, that's, that's the reason that they get paid the big bucks. So, and some of these criticisms of this, of, of, of Warren's attacks on Bloomberg are, are just, are specious. You know, there's this line, well, employment law shouldn't be politicized. What do you call employment at will, if not a political decision? In fact, probably one of the most important political decisions you know, that and, you know, right to work laws that that create in such an imbalance between the relationship between labor and capital in this country. Of course, employment at will is a political decision. And the whole reason that companies, that executives have so much power to, to, to demand non-disclosure agreements is the power of employment at will. And that is a political decision whether it's by statute, whether it's who appoints judges, that is political. The other thing that the defense bar talks about, well, let's not make employment law political. Why do employers have so much leverage over their employees? Because under our system, under, under, under the way we pay for health insurance in this country, employers control health insurance. And, you know, that's why people put up with, I've represented women who have the only reason that they continue with employment is because they, in, in discrimination, is because they need the health insurance, and they don't. The employee, employer, defense people, and the HR people, they don't like to talk about that. When they do talk about health insurance, that you know, it's always this whiny line. Oh, but but people like their health insurance, and and Medicare for all is going to take it away. Good with Medicare for all then people like Mike Bloomberg aren't going to control their employees' health care. And if somebody's getting harassed by their boss, they don't have to put up with it for the sake of, of health insurance, either for them or for their children or for their other family members. So to say that there's no that employment law isn't political when the one of the big leverage that employers have over employees is health insurance it's just, it's just bogus. It's absolutely specious. And if you're going to sit here and argue that employment law isn't or shouldn't be political, then, you know, then either you are just a mindless technocrat, you're obtuse, or you're just completely disingenuous. I mean, in, in, in my mind, it's almost a, it's a distinction without a difference. And, you know, good for Elizabeth Warren for bringing it up and confronting 
Mayor Mike Bloomberg, the soda snatcher and groper about and just general pig about his conduct and the way that he manipulates the legal system to intimidate people. Good for her. Still not voting for him. Still voting for Bernie. But I'd be okay if she was if, if she was Bernie's vice president or if she won the nomination, which probably isn't going to happen because Bernie's going to keep winning. So anyway, yeah, you could tell that I recorded this segment in a car because this this uh, segment has some pretty strong uh, mad Gen X energy right now. So I gotta I gotta calm it down. So. All right, I guess maybe my next segment, I'm going to talk about medical marijuana and workers' comp. Just nice, chill thing. Thanks. So medical marijuana is a good issue to talk about a lot of issues in workers' compensation like, you know, opioid use, uh, federal preemption, fee scheduling, and the intersection of workers' compensation and employment laws. You know, it's a lot, a lot more interesting to talk about medical mar- marijuana than it is about air ambulances. So, um, and Nebraska has a medical marijuana initiative that's you know, gathering signatures for it. My guess is it'll probably get on the ballot and be voted on in Nebraska here in November, if I had to guess. So, anyway, so let's talk about medical marijuana a bit. Um, as more states have adopted medical marijuana and even recreational marijuana, there's been a couple of studies out about the impacts of medical marijuana or marijuana use on workers' compensation. There's one that I saw posted earlier this week about as a study from the University of Cincinnati. You know, it was actually an article that when, when I kind of did a little research on it, was from a pretty pro-marijuana site. But the University of Cincinnati study showed a uh, small decrease in workers' compensation costs and opioid uh, use from marijuana. Another study from the National Institutes of Health shows that there isn't any real strong link between marijuana use and um and the reduction in opioids. Uh, my impression is that it might be hard to, for lack of a better word, suss out marijuana use uh, or marijuana, medical marijuana, as a cause for declining workers' compensation costs when co- claims are down, cost claims are down. And, you know, part of the reason for that is some of the reforms related to opioids. Uh, Joe Peduta talked about that on managed care matters. So hard to tell what the impact of medical marijuana is on opioids and workers' compensation. Although marijuana, at least for its proponents, is going to be made out to be a miracle drug. I know something else that might come up in Nebraska. North Dakota has medical marijuana and you know, they're trying to do studies about how marijuana affects their workers' compensation system because they have a state-run system up there. And um, kind of a lot of speculation that maybe record that mar- marijuana would cause more work accidents. Again, hard to tell. So there's going to be a lot of noise about marijuana 
and workers' compensation. But it's hard to it's gonna I think it's hard to tell whether there's gonna be a lot of impact one way or another. So another interesting issue that comes up in regards to marijuana and states that have legalized marijuana is what how, or at least for, for medical marijuana, I mean, how do you pay how is that how are those how is how how is medical marijuana paid for in workers compensation because in states with fee schedules which is most of them uh things are are paid by insurance companies but you know since marijuana is illegal under federal law still even in you know those companies are reluctant to break federal law by pay, paying for by paying for marijuana so um, interesting conflict. I hadn't thought about this beforehand. I mean, insurance is supposed to be, you know, regulated by the states, but I'd imagine if, uh, an insurance company or a claims manager was paying for marijuana across state lines, uh, I think the DEA would, would probably have something to, would said something to say about that, or the federal government would certainly have something to say about that. So, but yeah, so there's kind of a split on how, 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 if somebody, is prescribed medical marijuana and uses medical marijuana for work injury, how it gets paid for. New Jersey came down recently saying that if a, somebody pays for marijuana out of their medical marijuana out of their own pocket and they're reimbursed by the employer or the insurer or the claims manager or the claims administrator, then that that's not unlawful. So that's, that's permitted in New Jersey. Now Maine uh, had a case on this back in 2018 and came out the other way, essentially saying that, you know, because marijuana is illegal under federal law, uh, federal law would preempt uh, marijuana being reimbursed under our state workers comp- under their state workers' compensation laws. So again, you got the conflict between you know state workers' compensation laws, state insurance laws, and federal anti-drug laws. And it looks like New Jersey did a workaround that I think is the is is a smart workaround i mean ultimately if marijuana was legalized on a federal level everything would be would would be would be okay uh in that regard so but for now we got you know again we got a patchwork of states uh patchwork of state laws and it's it's kind of a mess so but that's where we are with reimbursement. The other thing about New Jersey too is, you, you wonder if uh, New Jersey not being a fee schedule state uh, would come into effect there, because in New Jersey, medical costs are, are litigated between the providers and the payers. There's not a set schedule like there is in most states, including Nebraska, about what things are are supposed to cost. So. And so in New Jersey, you, you know, you wouldn't put marijuana, you wouldn't make medical marijuana part of your fee schedule because there isn't a fee schedule. So something maybe I need to do some more research into about how fee schedules interact with medical marijuana. So anyway, so we talked about preemption, talked about you know, the opioid crisis. I think the other thing that medical marijuana 
interacts with workers' compensation is, is in the area of employment law because um, let's say somebody is legally able to use marijuana you know right now either 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 recreationally or through a prescription what's and they they're using that for a work injury what's the effect on the employment relationship well medical marijuana is is is, is older um and there's a case out of the sixth circuit and from 2012 out of michigan cassius versus walmart uh 2012 and the sixth circuit is a pretty especially back in you know 2012 was one of the more stronger uh circuits for employees um kind of what all these conservatives think the ninth circuit is but six circuits are pretty 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 strong pro pretty good and pretty pretty good uh circuit for employees and even the sixth circuit in 2012 said well that that an employee that firing an employee for testing positive for marijuana did not violate the americans with disabilities act so um that's that's you know that's out there so 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 just because somebody can use marijuana to treat for a disability an employee can still be fired for using marijuana uh so what about recreational marijuana um or or even use of medical marijuana that's lawful under a state um even in states where marijuana is legal, like, you know, Colorado, if an employee, or Colorado, I guess Nevada now, and Illinois, and a lot of other states, but if an employee um, uses marijuana, test positive for marijuana, they can still be fired if for, 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 for marijuana use if... The employee has a policy against it and follow the drug testing regulations, and they can be fired unless those states have what's called a lawful employment uh, or, or or a lawful um, activities exception to employment at will. Some states have that; most don't. Nebraska is one of those states that don't have that doesn't have it. So, again, an employee, you know, can, can lawfully use marijuana, and they can still get terminated for that because it's not you know be if it violates company policy you know the same way you know maybe testing positive for for alcohol would be grounds for termination so this again the issue of marijuana goes to the power of the employer in the employer employee relationship even if marijuana is legal the employer can still terminate the employee for using marijuana and again this even goes into the issues of privacy and health information you know employers you don't want you know employee wellness programs that you know you want to keep track of what employees are doing or you know give people fitbits and wearables to test activities and again you know there's an intrusion in to people's privacies like for example I don't like Fitbits. I know a lot of new gyms like Orange Theory. My wife's been going to that. You know, they 
you know, they keep track of your heart rate and you have to plug into this app. And, you know, I don't want to do that stuff. But employers, through the use of employee wellness programs, have have veered into that area. So, again, even if marijuana is legal, employee employers may not want their employees to use it. And there may be consequences for to employees for 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 the use of marijuana whether it's lawful under a medical marijuana law or whether it's law, just lawful, just legal from a recreational standpoint. So anyway, that's the Nebraska Complement podcast for this uh, middle of February, mid to late February. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks.